Welcome to Mind Talk. My name is Nathan, and I'm with my co-host Edwin. How are you, Ed? I'm good, you know. I'm great. How are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Um, yeah. In one of those days where I've actually stuck to the plan, had a nice mm-hmm. little hit workout. So yeah, I'm very, very, very well. And yourself? Yeah, I'm okay. I didn't do any workout today, but tomorrow I've got bike boot camp. So yeah, that's going to be a bit mad. <laughs> Okay, so today um, we've been blessed with uh, another guest who is going to take us through their, their wonderful journey. And our guest, um, I guess she, she, will, she will tell you about her journey and the sport she dedicated herself to. But it's a really, really interesting story. Um, definitely some gems. So please take a seat and yeah, let's just get started. And really a warm, warm, warm welcome to our guest, Vicky. So how are you, Vicky? I'm all good, all good. I know you lot are mentioning your workouts today. Um, mm. Done a little workout myself <laughs> this morning mm. <laughs> um, and, then, and then took the kiddies to the park. So a nice workout, yeah. a little bit of walking with the kids today. So yeah, all good, all good. That's good, that's good. So we always start off with, and I guess we're coming to the end of the lockdown, but it's still um, important that, you know, we, we, we talk, to, we ask all of our guests about, you know, this lockdown. So I guess what we'd like to ask you is how has your journey been so just take us through the journey how it's been for you from a from a mental aspect um to be honest to be totally honest which i'm an honest person uh last year i i loved it and i know you probably don't hear a lot of people saying that but when we first went into lockdown which was what march end of march early april um, my baby had just turned three months. So I'm kind of like a new mum again. Yep. Um, that was my third, third baby. So she's a three month old. Um, and then on top of that, I had a one year old and a seven year old. So I just felt like it was probably the perfect time to be at home and not have to think about other work commitments. It was like I was forced to stay at home. Whereas for the first time with that pregnancy, I was planning to go back to work literally the week of the lockdown so I was kind of out of the house like a good few times a week but I was kind of forced to stay in and obviously my partner was obviously forced to stay in as well so it was like I got like the most amount of help 24 7 so um, I think yeah that was a massive thing for me so yeah I absolutely loved it and it just meant that even though uh, the schools were closed but it just meant that spending more family time and we didn't really get it before because we were both kind of out of the house doing the other other commitments and it just meant that we were kind of forced to be together um so yeah honestly I can't can't complain but going into this year because I think it's lasted so long it's it's starting to take its toll I think but now obviously we're starting to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel which is good but I just think because it's becoming so repetitive now yeah. everyone's like when is it going to stop but yeah, yeah I've, I've not found it too bad whatsoever although I have had people that I know that have passed away um but then yeah it, it's just it's just one of those things there's positives and there's negatives to it so yeah and um how how did you what did you use to cope with lockdown so especially you mentioned the latter part of it what have you used um I think so going into this year, it just I think the weather, the weather was it's just rubbish, wasn't it? Like literally a few weeks ago, so bitter cold. Um, and I'm someone that doesn't like 
cold. So I didn't really want to go out for walks and things like that. Um, and I, I've got such a strong like family around me, family unit, my partner, amazing. And I've got a good group of like women because of what I do in my career. I've got so many women around me and I talk to them on a daily basis. So it's so easy for me to talk to everybody around me rather than kind of keeping it in myself. I can, I can quickly just send a little WhatsApp and say, I'm feeling rubbish today. And then, yeah, I've, I've got a lot of people around me that I can do that with, which I'm so grateful for and happy that I've got to the stage now. It's only in, in the later part of my life, not life, since I've grown up, yeah. that I'm able to talk and say that out loud rather yeah. than when I was younger, it would be like, no one knows anything. I'm good. That kind of yeah. thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm able to express myself a lot better now. I think it's um, very, very difficult, um, especially in the, in the cold and it's dark and you almost wake up and it's dark and before you know mm -hmm. it, it's dark. So yeah, <laughs> you and me both will definitely feel in the same thing. So yeah. um, Vicky, I want to take it back. Let's take it back to your first memory, um, your first memory of, of, of sports. So whether it was it TV, was it through participation? Just take us back to your first living um, memory of sports. Um, first living memory. Okay, first living memory of sport. I've got to take it way back to primary school. Let's go. Uh, at sports day, PE and sports day, that's my first, first memory and to be honest, every year I was coming home with the first or second certificate. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> whether it was like egg and spoon race or, you know, when you had to do like the three-legged race and uh, have your partner. But um, yeah, so I, I always, yeah, I got that competitive edge since very early. And with regards to the egg and spoon race and all those other, you know, forms of races, did that really just get your enjoyment starting when it came to sports? Do you know what? When I was in primary school, I, I didn't even know that I liked sports. I was just that kind of outdoorsy and I don't, I don't really like using the term, but I don't think I was that girly girl. Um, I always just kind of like getting involved in football and running around. I wasn't really that, I, I didn't mind getting myself dirty and things like that. So it was... Um, I just like to be involved and win stuff. <laughs> so I think that that competitive edge was kind of in me from very young. But getting into sport, I, I didn't really, there wasn't anything really around me that I was like, oh, I really like. Like I didn't really know like sports, famous sports people and things like that when I was in primary school. So what age did that start to change for you? I almost thought like I was forced into it. <laughs> Hmm. Only because um, I remember uh, when was okay. This must be like secondary school, like uh, like year seven, year eight. And because I was quite good at PE and things like that, my dad took me to the track. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll go to a track then. And it was Norman Park in uh, Bromley. Yeah. You've been there, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember him taking me there. I did a session; it was fine. And then he brought me bikes, and they were the ugliest things ever. <laughs> and I, I remember then they were orange. I was like, no, I'm, I'm not wearing them. Like, I don't I don't really want to do this. If this is what sport's about, I don't want to do it. And I, I remember leaving them at home on purpose because I just didn't want to wear them. But that's my earliest memory of going to a track. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I just kind of 
found a love for it because I kept like winning stuff. Like, because yeah. it's interesting you say that because I, I remember when you when you started coming to the Lazy World and I, you could see the difference from when you started to maybe a year or so later in terms of your interests. I think when you first came, it was like you just coming. Yeah, just <laughs> coming. Yeah. yeah, but as time went on, it, you see that the interest kind of changed. Yeah, no, totally agree. I think it was a. Uh, I think is as you as you get older as well. So a lot of it was social because it was like you know, your friends are there. You're going to like train a little bit, like yeah. be with your friends and stuff, and then. I think as the years went on, it was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to kind of take this a little bit more seriously now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was more more towards the Lady Well and then Crystal Palace days later on after that. I love the um, the fact that your dad bought you spikes, whether they were nice or horrible. Um, <sighs> there's something bigger, and that's why I really want us to really discuss. So talk to us about the importance of, of your dad and the role that he had on you at the start of this, you know, interest and love? To be honest, I think as a kid, you never really take that, you, you see everything that your parents do, you never see the good in it, do you? Mm. You're just like, oh, they're on me, why are they on my back? And things like that. So when he took me um, and he brought me the spikes, the next time he brought me back to the track, I left the spikes at home on purpose. And he obviously he's taken his time out of his week to bring me to a track three times a week. Yeah. Um, and then, and then yeah, right. There was a time that I obviously had to bring them because he bought them for me. <laughs> so I think it's uh, as time went on, he he was the one who literally took me to he took me training until I was obviously it was okay for me to go on my own. And then my younger brother started coming with me every single competition. Dad used to be there, dropped me. So he was always always there after every race. How did you do? How did he actually thought he was my coach when? He was never my coach, um, and which actually used to annoy me because I, I, I think I gave more respect to my coaches in terms of athletics than I did to my dad because I was like, no, you don't really know like the stride length and all of this stuff because he said that he used to run, but he played football when he was younger, not the same. <laughs> but um, but yes, yeah, so I think back in the day I didn't really appreciate it, but now looking back, I'm like, yeah, like he he's obviously he did his part well. He did this part well. And I think I appreciated him more as I got older, especially into like the late teens. Yeah. Um, he would be that every time I'd uh, done a race, he would be like the first one I'd call and say, oh, I came first or I came last or whatever it was. So, yeah. yeah. And I think it got to a stage when I was like almost trying to impress my dad. Like, okay, you got me into this. I'm going to show you how good I am kind of thing. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. So... You started training. You started taking training seriously. How did it feel? I don't know how it felt to me. Um, your first winter um, training oh. sessions. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I, I can't remember my first winter training session. I actually can't remember. They, they, to me, they're all kind of muddled up into each other because they're all so similar. Yeah. Uh, but I think if you're if you're going through winter training, you're you're a serious athlete. I don't care if you're in the GB team or if you're not like to get through a winter training and to stay there like you've got something about you do you know what I mean because like the reps the lactic acid you're going to be throwing up the cold oh my god the cold um yeah it's uh it's different it's next level right but um I uh as much as it was really hard I I just like I don't know I just had a love for it like 
after every session, I know that I would feel so rubbish for that short space of time. Then it kind of passes. And yeah. then I'm like, okay, I'm ready for Thursday session or whenever it is. So yeah. Yeah, it was kind of, a, it was a love hate. Yeah. I know exactly how you feel because myself, it got to a point, I loved winter training. I absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. Because it was the point where, let's say if your season hasn't gone to plan, you could work on all the areas that you wanted to work on. You kind of build your confidence and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I, I can understand what you mean when you say that you that you like winter training. Yeah, and you said that moment as well where you can kind of like start over again. Yeah. You know, like you've had a rubbish season or whatever, and you, you know that that's your, that's your time to like, okay, I'm, I'm about to go in now. I can like, this is the time where I can work on all those weaknesses and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. How would you... How would you uh, how would you advise um, advise a young person right now who is very talented but has a problem with winter training? What are, what three tips would you give this young person who is talented but they clearly struggle with winter training? And many many even elite athletes that's the part of you know their 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 work that they hate is training. So mm. how, how how would you advise a young talent? I I would always say, like, you've got somebody with talent, that's amazing, and then you've got somebody, I guess, without talent, but with the work rate, and one day, it's just, it's just gonna, they're gonna surpass you, they're gonna, it's gonna get to that point where they are gonna outwork you, outrun you, outtrain you, so if you have talent, that's great, but you need to work on that other part as well, so that would probably be my top tip. Um, second tip would be, do you know what I think it's really like a, a girl thing but um get some new gear and like with with me I find that if I've got something new even if it's like a pair of socks or or something like that get to training in your in your lucky pair of socks or your your favorite crop top or whatever it is yeah and um I don't know that that works for me anyway um thirdly oh, do you know what? I think it's probably a bit of a harsh reality, to, especially to, to young uh, young children, especially today, is that you, you've just got to bite your tongue and do it because every things that you don't like, you've got, you've got to learn to just do it, whether you like it or not, because it's like there's a hard world out there and you'll, you'll learn one day that if, like, even if it's not in school, if it's through uh, family life or other situations that arise, that if the job has to be done for you to better yourself, and even if you don't like it, it's got to be done. It's got to be done. Yeah. Do you do you remember your first club race? No. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> do you remember any of your races? <laughs> I remember a few. I remember ones where I fell over, where I fell over a hurdle, where I've skidded through the line, ones where I've won, ones where I've come last year. I can't remember my first ever one, but I do remember quite a few. What was it like for you um, when it came to to race day? Do you know? Oh, that's that's a good question. Mm. And I've I've changed. Well, I I changed as I grew up. So when yeah. I was younger, it was obviously a fun thing. You're with your friends, and then I got a little bit older. And I guess this was um, sixteen, seventeen. I guess around yeah. that age. I was the most nervous person. I don't know if I showed it on the outside. I'm not too sure, but I sure as hell felt it on the inside. Like I, I, I would be scared to like like the warm up stuff. Like mm. I, I'd do your basic warm up, but I wouldn't do anything extra because I was just like, 
I was so nervous that I either didn't want to do too much to like burn yeah. myself out for a big race or, or yeah. Or with me, uh, my biggest problem looking back was that worried about what other people are thinking as well. And, and I do think that a lot of people struggle with that, but don't say it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it is a confidence thing as well. It is a confidence thing. So, and I do think I was very low on confidence in running my running capability in front of, I don't know if it was in front of people or not, but um, I think like the person that I am today, no one is beating me back then. Do you know what I mean? But back yeah. then I wasn't yeah. like that. I wasn't like that. So I think it's interesting because me and Vicky were quite similar in terms of mm. that when it, when it came to training it was fine but race day it's like oh no yeah. <laughs> everyone's yeah, yeah, watching yeah. <laughs> that's it that is it like training was fine I think it's comfort Edwin I think yeah. like we were all in the same training group and everybody knew everybody's like like their character their personality like what their strengths and weaknesses are yeah. But you could be in the group and, and place everybody in a 200-meter race, and then it's like, yeah. get to race day, and you've got all these people, like spectators, and everyone else from other clubs, and then you've got people that have been like, oh, my God, have you seen Lucy? She's won every single race this year, or things like that. And it's just that yeah. added pressure, which is learning to deal with. But some people just obviously found it a lot harder than others. Yeah. How did your, um, if they did, um your coaches how did they prepare you to 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 i guess to race in front of uh, you know a packed stadium or even even a few spectators was there any uh, methods that they helped you in preparing or was this just something that you had to try and find for yourself a little bit of both i think the coaches that i've had have, have been unreal like I, I couldn't fault any of them and I, and I do think it is, again, down to me as an individual and being younger. Um, like, you're, you're, it's, it's, it's like your mum and dad talking to you again. It's like, okay, look, head down, get your headphones in, get your warm-up in, don't worry about anyone else, whoever, like, you're on the start line with. It's, it's you, tunnel vision, get to that finish line. And then I'm there in the race, and I'm looking at everybody. They've told me the right things, the right steps to put in place, but I've done the complete opposite. And then obviously if I come out with a win, it's only because I'm that talent has got me through. It's not really my, it's not everything else that's gone with it. So um, yeah, that, that's probably the, yeah, that's it to be honest. Mm. To see. Did you recognize uh, at that young age that mm, something's not right in terms of mindset on track or was that something you realized later on down the line? No, I always knew. Okay. I knew because with me, I don't know about you, Edwin, but with me, it'd be like simple things like, um, you know, like when we used to do like plyometrics, like yeah. box jumps and jumping over hurdles. Yeah. I could do that like with of a, a shorter height in front yeah. of people because I know I'm going to clear it. Yeah. If there's something that's challenging me and I know that, okay, the consequence is me dropping on my face in front of people. So then I back down. I'm like, no, yeah. no, I can't do it. But then if I'm on my own, I'm jumping over these things. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it really does come down to self-belief, confidence in yourself. Yeah. Well, I guess this is a hard question. And um, I think for different people, um, it stems from different places. But I guess my question is, 
where do you believe your lack of self-belief comes from? Where, where, did, where did it come from, um, this lack of self-belief? Was it just in sports or was it, you know, on a wider scale? Do you know what? That's, that is a very good question. It is a very good question. I, I don't know because I, I think it, it comes down to, like, my character. I wasn't a very, like... Like, if I was in a group of friends, I, I wouldn't be the loudest person. I'd be, like, I'm more of, I observe. So I know everything that's going on in that room, but I'm, I'm, I wasn't the more, like, the most vocal person. Yeah. So I think it comes down to that as well. So I, like, in, especially with my running, like, I knew all of these, I knew all the details and everything that I should be doing, but it's just to put it into practice yeah, I, I think it was it was hard for me to do so, and I think it's um, nerves just took the better of me, and I didn't quite know. I mean, I learned how to control them to a certain extent, and then, and then it's like, do you know what happened? Actually, I I, I started getting very good at it <laughs> to controlling yeah. it and being in a competition and being able to do it, and then um, fell pregnant with my first son. So it was just like the timing was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I remember I remember when you told me that oh, yeah, training was going well, and the next one I see is your pregnant. But oh well, okay. Yeah, yeah, that was just the way it was meant to be. So yeah, exactly, exactly. So with that said, um, is there anything that you would have done differently if you look back to to when you competed? Yeah, not cared what anyone thought. Hmm. That 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 is it. That that's all I can say. Like my training, like my my work ethic, I cannot put. Obviously, I probably could have done a little bit more. Everyone can always do more. Yeah. Um, but I I was somebody that like I trained in my group and then I did like training on my own. So I, I like I always wanted it. Um, I guess I could have done a lot more like food wise. Like I know with, with our group, I think that's what we we need to look at. Like, kind of oh, more, man. Like, straight off the training. Straight, straight off straight. the training where we're going to get our like chicken and chips and stuff. <laughs> that that was it, literally. Three days a week, that was what we were doing. Um so I think but more self-belief. That that's the main thing. So the main one's more self-belief. Yeah, I guess for my question, um, I, you know, I could ask this to Ed anytime, but I think for you, so I guess uh, before I ask the question, uh, when I used to play football, mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I used to do is I would look at the other team training and then I would just be looking who's the best player and literally just be just standing there almost, you know, at the middle part of the pitch, just looking, just literally staring, trying to work mm. out who are the best players. Now, for you, when you're an athlete and, you know, it's about, I don't know, five, ten minutes before the race, what do you do? Do you acknowledge that you are, that you, your um, opponents are beside you? Um, are you zoning out? Talk to us about that process, the, you know, the last five, ten minutes before a race. Um, okay, so I've been through two stages. So the, I would say in the beginning to the middle of my, when I used to run yeah. and compete, I would, in athletics, you, you just know who's the, who's, who is that popular fast person at that moment for that season. Yeah. So you just know, like they're walking around in their sponsored gear and stuff. And you're just there and you're one nice, one nice top and everything else you've had for ages. Um, so, so that's how you, you just know. 
So for me, I was analyzed. I, I, I just knew, like, I saw their presence when they would do, like, their drills and stuff. They perfect high knees next to me and stuff like that. So I think it was just there. I couldn't, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop that. Um, but as I got, as I kind of my, uh, the years went on, the seasons went on, and I learned more about myself as an athlete um, and the different people that I've trained with and the different people that I've had around me, like training groups, I literally headphones on, zoned out. I used to like listen to a, um, a, a YouTube video. I can't even remember what it was, but it was literally, it would be like no music, just like motivational talking. Um, and I was like, no, this is me. Like I'm, I'm, it's all about me. And then I would be, and then I remember standing on the start line saying, I'm number one on this line. Obviously, sometimes I never did come out number one on the line, but it's just that starting point, my whole like perspective and, thought process like changed completely towards the end of my of my running and with that how did you use that in life going forward the stuff that you learned yeah and and this is why I've got even though I didn't make it where I wanted to running wise Mm -hmm. it's helped me get where I am today because I definitely believe if I didn't do any of that I wouldn't all of what I'm doing now wouldn't have happened definitely not because now I know it doesn't matter if I'm good at something, like talented, but if I'm not, if I don't believe in myself and put in the work in, it's, it's non-existent. It's not going to happen. It's going to take me so far. Yeah, Vicky, I think for me, um, one of the things that I find quite fascinating is that whenever I speak to athletes like yourself, Ed as well, um, there is that idea or there was that start that, you know, before you actually go into athletics, you were very talented, you were very quick, um, quicker than your peers. So I know we're going back a little bit, but can you just talk to us the transitional thought process where you are winning on sports day, you're beating all of your peers, you then move into a club where people are just as fast as you, and then on race day where people are either as fast as you or even faster. How how did you learn to deal with that? Moving from being in the upper echelon of runners to being potentially mid to upper. How how did that play um, in your mind? Yeah, I, I like all of that stuff. To be honest, if I I like somebody being quicker than me to so I know that I can run them down and like yeah I can't wait for the day that I beat you so. So it's all good and well, like being that number one person all the time. But I, I like a challenge. Like when I used to do run at Palace, like I was always put in like the to run with the boys, and yeah. I, I personally love that because I'm like boys are quicker than me anyway. But I'm gonna try and run them down as much as I can. So um, I, I that's why I think it's it's just installed in me anyway to be competitive, and I do like. I do like the chase. So like even in my career right now, I, I don't want to be comfortable because I know nothing is going to really come of it. I need to know that, okay, there's something next that I need to achieve. I need to, I need to go for it. I need to go for it. Do you remember how it felt like before you, you joined the club and you were winning races when you weren't taking it seriously, how it felt when you started winning races when you were taking it seriously? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? It, when you're when you're winning races and you're not taking it as serious, it's fun. You're happy and it's good. 
And then when you are taking it really seriously, there's a it, it's, it's still the same feeling that you feel absolutely amazing. Um, but then I guess there's a, a little kind of pressure on yourself because you're like, I have to win this race. I need to come top two or top three. So, um, like, I remember running for... Do you, do you remember the South of England? I think yeah. that's probably one of my best achievements today. And I came... I can't remember first or second um, in the South of England. And that was major for me. And I was like, no, that medal was just going to stay up in my room for everybody to see. But obviously it didn't mean anything to anyone else. But to me, yeah. it's like, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's, there was no better feeling than winning a race, to be honest. No better feeling. Talk to us about the, I, I'm, I'm sure, um, you know, you've been at many clubs. So just talk to us about the group dynamics at one athletics um, club that you've been at and talk to us about, you know, the good points and um, yeah, talk to us about your role, you know, that were you the joker, were you the quiet one? Yeah. Just talk to us about the group dynamics. Yeah. Um, I think I've kind of stayed the same person throughout the different groups that I've been into. Um, the different groups that I've been in, I've always kind of remained the same uh, kind of character, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I've always had really good groups, always had very good groups. I mean, and I feel so comfortable with them that I, that I, um, I, w- I don't think I was a joker or anything, but I would crack jokes and stuff. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know I was a proper joker. And I, and I wasn't always that one to come in and like be, be so vocal and really loud but I would give my share I would still like give my part in the jokes and the banter and the conversation and all of that yeah um but I've, I've been very lucky that my my groups have always been like just top like top class like everybody that I've always trained with um have literally played a massive massive role in in like my life honestly and I think it's this it's just who I am I think that you can't change like the way you are around people doesn't change too much as you get as you like become an adult but I think I'm like I'm just not that person to be like loud and like extravagant and you know what in your face that's just that's never been me Um, I'll leave that for somebody else to do I'm more than happy to do that but I've um but yeah it's, it's taught me a lot about myself because before I guess I wouldn't I wouldn't be as confident to maybe say things to people, but now it's, I'm like, no, do you know what? I do need to get my opinion across. I will say exactly what I think of that subject or whatever, whatever it is. So now, yeah, there's kind of no stopping me now. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so let's just move forward. Um, tell us what you, what are you doing now? Um, you've alluded briefly about your career so um just expand on what currently you are doing now um so at the moment like i've worked with quite a few women put it that way um and i'm literally just a women's coach i coach women to getting fitter um their recovery after pregnancy um helping them to have a better relationship with food with themselves with their partners children um so yeah just like an all-round coach and just um just helping each woman individually on their on their journey to becoming fit and strong. This is beautiful. Um, you've said so much already in what you do. Um, first thing that comes to mind is, um, you know, a pregnant woman, and she goes through the the nine months or so. It's a very, you know, tough, tough journey. So salute to all you women out there that have gone through it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, labour happens, and then now she's trying to 
get back on track. Um, and in some respects, you know, some of you know these these ladies, some some of them are struggling mentally. Talk to us about the process in how you you try and repair their minds. Um, I think that's a hard one, only because a lot of women aren't trying to get back to where they were because they were they were were never in a, a great place to start with, so they were never fit to start with. Um, they were never in a great mental space. So it's me just saying that we're starting from scratch. Your body's been through a hell of a lot. Um, and you, and I think that's what a lot of women, they forget. So they, they, they've been through nine, 10 months of pregnancy and they just want to, they want to look amazing straight after. Mm. There's so much more to what your body looks like on the outside. Like you're, you're physically, your like mental health is, is a, it's a word that's been thrown about a lot, a lot, a lot, especially through lockdown. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it comes down to like how you view yourself how you view your relationship with food, how, how are you with your partner? There's, there's so much towards it. Um, so it's literally for me to, to strip them back and just start from basics. And, and it's just having that outside person that has got no relation to you. I'm, I don't start off as their friend. I start off as their coach. I do become their friend, which is amazing. But that first starting point is so important because it's um, they've got somebody outside of their circle that they can actually be honest and talk with because it's so much easier to talk to somebody you don't know I guess than to than to like your partner or your or your mum and dad so um yeah it's, it's a step-by-step process and it, it's not all about just going out for a run or going to do a couple of burpees or getting on a I don't know eating salads every day because mm-hmm. everybody knows that we we have everyone knows the right foods to eat and that we've got to move our bodies but um it's just it's easier said than done so yeah, I'm just their coach to guide them every day. And, and and the thing is, a lot of women we are we're just hormonal creatures. I'm sure you lot know, but uh, no, we, we just we deal with stress <laughs> differently. Um, especially when you have children, it's a it's a 24 seven job. And a lot of women tend to put themselves kind of at the bottom of that list, and we're we're left or last. So it's it's kind of my job to say no. Nope, we're going to take this time out daily and just purely focus on you. So. So what's the type of things that you do to um, build their confidence? I, I I challenge them. So they first, a lot of them come to me and say, I can't run, I hate it, I can never do it. And that usually means I'm scared to run outdoors because of people watching me or I'm so out of breath that like my lungs can't handle it. I feel like I'm going to like die or something. So it's a, I don't necessarily say it to them, but I, I always have these little challenges in place. I'm like, Okay, we're three weeks in and you've just done 10 burpees. And to them, it's like, I cannot believe I've just done that. So it's, it's little things and it depends on the individual as well. So, um, but to me, a physical challenge of being able to do something you haven't done before is major rather than a, rather than the whole weight loss thing, because some people's goals isn't weight loss. It's literally being able to, um, to do something you've never done before. You can't believe that you've done it is, is a massive achievement. I think um, as soon as you use the word challenge, I think, um, you know, brought to me um, my next question. Um, how do you get people ready for discomfort? Um, how, how do you get them ready? You know, you just, you, you spoke about, you know, them women, some women not really wanting to, to run, you know, they mm. don't want to run outdoors. How do you get, how do you get them mentally prepared to, to actually know that, 
it's going to hurt. You know, the, the first time that they go for a little sprint or a little run, yeah. it's going to be very um, uncomfortable. So how do you mentally prepare them for that? Do you know what? I just say it how it is. I like there's, I say it how it is only because like going back to what we, what we said previously about what would I say to a younger, a younger lady that's talented. Yeah. Is that you, you, you want to come on this journey to better yourself, to get fitter, to feel strong you're going to have to do things you don't like. And the only the only way that I can say it to them is, tell me how you feel after you do it. You go in, you, and obviously I build them up slow. I'm not going to say go out and do a marathon today. I'm going to say, go out, yeah. you're going to run for a minute. You're going to, you're going to walk for two minutes, something like that. Um, see if you can do that. And then let me know how you feel after. Don't let me know how you feel during because I know you're going to be out of breath. But um, <laughs> let me know how you feel after. And it's always the same response. So... And obviously, it, it does come down to the individual what they can personally handle. But then you've just got to be totally honest with them because at the end of the day, if your child is saying, oh, mom, work's too hard. I'm just not going to do it, my homework. You're not going to say, don't worry, leave it today. You don't have to do it. And, that, and that's one thing I always bring up is that how you treat yourself and how you treat your kids are so different. But start treating yourself like the way you treat your children. Okay. One of the, uh, I guess, one of the observations that I've seen, um, particularly in football, so there, I won't go into too much detail, but I guess my question is, um, I want you to picture maybe um, a, a young client that you have versus a client, you know, say in their mid-30s. There was something that you alluded to earlier and you were talking about, you know, something about, you know, you know this generation, um, sometimes, you know, we have to be careful in what we say and, you know, but your ethos is, no, we have to just be straight up. And I guess what I'm alluding to is, do you feel that you have to be different to your younger clients compared to your older clients where we grew up in a kind of an era where it was okay to be blunt for the lack of a better word, mm -hmm. compared to this generation who are, so to speak, wrapped up in cotton wool? Um, or do you just, you know, follow through with your ethos and treat all of your clients the same? Yeah, so with, with me, my clients are, I, I don't know what you'd class as young, but I'm guessing teenagers, that's yeah. what you're talking about. I, I don't have any uh, young clients. All, all of my clients are, youngest would probably be, 26 27 and going up to my oldest client is like 60 years old so yeah. so so my my clients are, are all adults um and I guess if I am talking about my younger clients I, I treat them all the same okay I, I think there's there's only so much you can get with wrapping somebody in cotton wool especially if they want a result um and and then if, if they're if they're not doing exactly what you've told them to do to get the result, then what do you do? How 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 can you possibly keep wrapping them in cotton wool and saying, oh, it's all right, we'll go again tomorrow? Do you know? I mean, the, when yeah. when does a result happen? Then it's not going to happen because you keep kind of you keep putting it off. So I think the only way with, with me, how I work with my women, is that um, of course you're going to have off days. Everybody has them. That's that's totally fine. But there's a time that it's like, do you know what? If I've had that headache all day, if I'm not feeling up to it, it's kind of my job to be like, all right, 
eight o'clock tonight, you're just going to go out, just get yourself out for a walk or go and uh, do a 10 minute jog. You're going to feel good after, but it's just that initial stage of, um, of getting yourself up and going because we all have rubbish days. And I think because of lockdown, it's enhanced in rubbish days even more so and everyone's having them a bit a bit more often now yeah um but i guess i guess the only way you can do it is just to just to be as blunt not blunt is to just say it how it is at the right time do you know what i mean because there are days where you could be like no okay relax today it's too much too much stress it's go and put your feet up it's not that the priority here is you feeling good um, so let, let's just relax today and then we go again tomorrow. So there, there are ways around it. I'm not always saying like, no, get out for a run, go and do this, go and do that. There are, there are so many ways for me to say, uh, to kind of be like, no, we need to, we need to get to your goals and do this. So yeah, there's a time and a place for it. Yeah. yeah. So um, how do you deal with people that have extremely low confidence? How do I do a people that got extremely low confidence? Um, it does come down. It's, it's a lot of talking. I think if you leave somebody to their own device, that's where it can kind of spiral out of control. Um, but because of what I do, I'm in communication with a lot of my women kind of on a daily basis, if not every other day. So it is really, it's, it's, it's talking to them, to be honest. And, and letting them know that the numbers and the pictures that we're that we're taking as well, it it says it for themselves. So um, I've got women that started off that have never ran ever. Um, like I've got one woman in particular, she didn't, she's not ran since given birth, and that was like three, four years ago, and now she's run a twenty-four minute five k. Do you know what I mean? And she's yeah. like, I cannot believe I've even even done that. Her goal was for next year to run. 25 26 minutes and she's done this we're only february so it's it's literally just um me knowing and, and that comes down to my job role is knowing your personality the way you react to things what you can handle and then kind of programming around that so that i know what your capabilities are and then pushing you to do that rather than just giving you unrealistic goals that you're like how, how am i ever going to get there I think one of the most beautiful things about doing this podcast is bringing on people like yourself talking about, you know, your business and you can, you can hear the, the energy and passion. So I guess for myself, what made you choose that group? Um, what made you, how did you decide, how did you come up with the fact that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to just focus on women and um, talk to us a little bit about that? Um, I think it's because obviously I, I did the whole running thing and I, I just already knew I didn't want to be like a coach, a running coach. I already, I already knew that anyway. Um, and then when I met myself and my partner, uh, have got our own gym, I was like, and that's when I had my first, uh, child as well. So I was like, okay, I feel like this now, there's a lot of things going on, like body changes, um, confidence insecurities all of these kind of emotions just kind of get drawn to you when you have a have a child and I was like how does the average woman it's funny you say this because I actually put up a post the other day but um the average woman that's not into sport that's not a regular kind of gym goer or someone that doesn't work out a lot how the hell does she feel do you know what I mean and it's yeah. like all of these body changes are happening so I was like 
do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna help women. Like I I'm a woman. I I kind of know exactly what women are going through. Um, and and then I have taken a bit of what what I did with my athletics with like our training routine. We had to be at the track Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday morning, and that was religiously at a certain time. So with my gym, I incorporated. I did the same kind of method. I've said all right, we're going to train this, this, this day, every single week, this is going to be your program. And that's literally, and that's why the two um, have, that's why I said without athletics, I don't even know where I'd be now because I've used so much of that in what I do today. I get the women doing like running drills in the gym and and now um, they've got like running programs and stuff. So it, it's helped me a lot to get to where I am now. Right. I know um, earlier on you mentioned um, when you were younger, you didn't have, we didn't really watch. But as you grew up, was there any sports stars that you admired? Yeah, like I said, I'm, it's, it's quite bad. Like I was into sport and not really watching too much sport. But obviously, like, you've got your your obvious people, haven't you? Like your Usain Bowl, obviously everyone's favourite. But I'm actually a big tennis fan. You know, like every, every like I'm always watching the finals. So I guess yeah, mm. like uh, like Roger Federer, Nadal, like absolute favourites. Yeah. Um, but everything else, not really. I, like I've never been a fan of football. No, sorry, <laughs> never watched football. <laughs> Even though my partner played football as well, I'm not really, not really into it. Um, but yeah, I, I would say tennis was is a sport that like, I would actually sit down and watch watch the whole thing, and of of course athletics as well. But. Mm. Interesting you say that because a lot of people that we've had on on our podcast have mentioned tennis. And really? Yeah, a lot of people mentioned tennis. Oh, but okay. then at the same time, when you look at the people around us, how many of them actually played tennis when they were younger? Yeah, no one. This is yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It, yeah. I, I've always watched it. Like, I, I would actually go and buy tickets um mm. To go and watch it. Yeah, I think it's the same for me and Nathan because we are we both got the same favourite tennis player, which is Nadal. What he's done. Um, yeah, tennis. Tennis is a sport that for in the black in the black communities, a sport that a lot of people love, but not a lot of people play. Right, um, exactly. You know, mm. it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It needs to change. It does. I I personally could never see myself playing tennis. I just don't think I've got that hand-eye coordination. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, definitely to hit the ball. No, definitely not. But um, yeah, watch it all day long, all day yeah. long. And if you, if so, Vicky, if anyone wanted to get in contact with you with regards to your services, um, how can they get in contact with you? Um, Instagram, FitMumVix, easy to remember. <laughs> Um, yeah, just everything's on my Instagram page. You can just take a little scroll through, send me, send me a DM. Um, my, my program's currently full at the moment, which I'm, I'm quite happy about, but I've got a little waiting list. So, um, yeah, they can get onto my Instagram and send me a message to get on the waiting list. Okay. Thank you. So once again, guys, um, a, a wonderful guest in Vicky, um, you shared and we really, 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 um, grateful and blessed that you shared your, unique story and we really really hope that you know we can inspire not just young people but all people really just to get into some form of movement and sport so um until next time guys stay healthy stay blessed and thank you